Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Okie dokie. I'm grateful. Yes, I am. Very grateful for the teachings of A Course in Miracles that inspire us so much. They are a call for liberation. And we're answering. So let's place our hand on our heart and be grateful and thankful for the pure love, the power of love, the presence of love that is our true identity. We're grateful to open ourselves to a new understanding of God's infinite intelligence, pure light and wisdom. We are grateful to embody the truth, to embody the peace, the love, the harmony. We are grateful to naturally share the benefits of our healing and transformation with everyone because we are one with them. In gratitude, we allow this healing to fully be made real and realized, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes, indeed. So grateful. Let's dive right in here. So we are in Chapter 17, Section 6, which is entitled Setting the Goal. And what uh, Jesus is talking about here in Paragraph 1 is that the practical application, the very specific practical application is how the Holy Spirit teaches us and helps us to remember what the truth is. And then in paragraph two, it says, in any situation in which you are uncertain, the first thing to consider very simply is, what do I want to come of this? What is it for? So asking these questions in moment by moment, what do I want to come over this? What is it for? Remember that in Lesson 25, it says, I don't know what anything is for. And so when we're working the lessons, when we're new to the lessons, first few years maybe, that is such a helpful question statement. I don't know what anything is for. And I always say, but I'd like to. I don't know what anything is for, but I'd like to. So here we're being taught to consider what do I want to come of this? What is it for? And that's so important because as Jesus talks about in the text, the ends is in the means. The ends is in the means. This is fundamental. You can't, in other words, you cannot get to peace by waging a war. The ends is in the means. So if you'd like to have peace, you have to have peaceful means to get to peace. The ends is in the means. So in any situation in which you are uncertain, the first thing to consider very simply is what do I want to come of this? What is it for? The clarification of the goal belongs at the beginning, for it is this which will determine the outcome. So we can do this all day, every day. I don't know what anything is for, but what do I want to come of this? 
And um, for those who've been in class with me, you know I don't really use the word want that way because to me it's affirming lack and limitation, not criticizing Jesus, Jesus, (laughs) Jesus. But what would I like to come of this would be the sentence I would use. What do I desire to come of this? What, do, what would I like to come of this? What is it for? What do I think it's for? What is it actually for? And so if we think about the rules for decision and beginning our day with what kind of day we'd like to have, well, what's a day for? To me, a day is for healing and transformation. Might be my personality healing, might be somebody else's. I'm contributing to what seems like their healing. They're contributing to what seems like my healing. But there's only one healing because there really is only one. So that to me is what each and every day is for. It's for the transformation and the healing of our minds. Many of us miss the opportunity to say at the beginning of each day what the day is for, what is the goal, and to implement the rules for decision. So it's just an opportunity missed, but we start again the next day, and we can start again in any moment. So let's say you're listening to this before bed. It's not too late to say, oh, my goal today is healing and transformation, or my goal today is to repair my relationship with my boss, with my coworker, with my sister, my brother. For me, choosing healing and transformation means that spirit will point me in the right direction every minute of every day. And there's no chance that ego is directing my goals for the day or my day itself. And that feels good to me. Now, speaking of the ego, in the begin, in, in the next sentence here, it says, in the ego's procedure, this is reversed. The situation becomes the determiner of the outcome, which can be anything. The situation becomes the determiner of the outcome. So, for an example, let's say that you haven't set your goal for today, that it's about healing and transformation. It's about being the light of the world and being the savior of the world with your light. It's not about anything remotely like that. You just have a list of things you'd like to get done. So the situation becomes the determiner of the outcome. So then let's say you have a situation in the course of your day where you get into an argument with someone. The situation becomes the determiner of the outcome. So in that situation, there's an argument, there's distress, there's discord, and we get triggered, let's say. We get triggered, and now we're in some place of... Uh, anger, and now we're thinking revenge, and this person in front of us is going to get the revenge that's actually accumulated from several situations before this old trauma that's coming up for healing. And so the outcome is going to be, uh, let's say, a terrible fight, a horrible argument, and uh, a ruining of a relationship. The situation becomes the determiner of the outcome. Whereas if we had started the day with a goal for more peace, more love, more joy, more healing, more transformation, in the moment that the triggers are happening, we are going to experience it differently. We're going to see different options I can't tell you exactly what they would be. No one can. But they will be options in alignment with the goal that you've set for the day. So this is the the thing. I think I shared this recently that I remember 
talking with a minister friend uh, who was very excited about a topic they were going to f- share at church, thought their congregation would be so interested in it, really, really excited f- to share it with them. And when they did, it just totally fell flat in the congregation kind of, you know, just stared, not really that interested, not engaged. And it did not have the impact that the minister had thought it would. So when they told me about it, I just asked them the question that I would ask myself in that situation. Let me review what was my intention in speaking and sharing. And so I said, so what was your intention going into the service? And they thought for a moment, they sighed, and they said, I didn't have one. I said, oh, okay, well, live and learn. I live and learn every day. I've learned to laugh. Oh, there I am living and learning again. More living and learning today. Another day of living and learning. It's just, there's never a day, really, that doesn't go by where I'm not living and learning. So it's a small thing, it seems like, an intention. What's your intention? Now, when we're tuned into the Spirit, when we're not holding grievances and grudges anymore, when we're not thinking of revenge anymore, when we're not mentally punishing people anymore, when that those patterns of the mind have been healed, erased, eradicated, healed back to the root cause, we don't experience them anymore. And then we don't need to live by intention so much. I'm, I'm very clear my intention is to be the light of the world and to experience healing and transformation, whether it's my own or someone else's. To me, it's all my own. And to be joyful, to be joyous, to have fun, to discover new enjoyable things about this life. And um, (laughs) this morning I had an experience, well, I had an experience over the weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend, where a friend was visiting me and uh, my cat came in uh, one evening around dusk, uh, Sattva, I called him, he came running in and just as he was coming up the stairs into the house like a bullet, as he often does, just going at warp speed practically, I saw he had a critter in his mouth, a mouse. And I was like, oh, no. And then he came in the house. He put the mouse down. It was a gift for me because he loves me. He's bringing me gifts. This is one of the number one signs that your cat loves you. They bring you gifts and offerings such as critters. And what better critter offering could there be than if the mouse was still alive? Because if the mouse is still alive, you can play with it. And that's what he likes to do. He's an outdoor cat, and he's, he's a mouser. And um, so he let that mouse go, and it was alive. (laughs) It was very much alive. And so then we spent the next bit of our time trying to capture the the mouse, Um, all three of us trying to capture the mouse unsuccessfully. And then the mouse disappeared. Where it, 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 we chased it around, and then... It went into uh, uh, an area where I have a radiator, and I just thought, okay, I think it went down, slid down into the basement by the hole near the pipe for the radiator. That was my best guess. Because it totally disappeared. Well, this morning, I found it, now it was definitely dead and um, mutilated. 
sorry for this gross story, uh, as a gift this morning. And so I, that was my <laughs> living and learning today. If I see Safa coming with anything in his mouth, shut the door immediately. Do not let him in the house. Oh, my goodness. Ah, so, uh, yes, so that happened. And uh, I took it outside and made it an offering to the field and whatever critters might enjoy it out there. So living and learning every day. It just popped into my mind when I said I was living and learning. I was like, yes, and today uh, that was my little lesson. All right. I don't know that there's any Course in Miracles lesson in that except it is his nature, my cat's nature, sattva. It is his nature to hunt, to hunt prey. And that's what he does. And because he loves me, sometimes he brings it home. But that was the first time he ever brought it in the house. Anyway. So the situation becomes the determiner of the outcome, which can be anything. The reason for this disorganized approach is evident. The ego does not know what it wants to come of the situation. It is aware of what it does not want, but only that. It has no positive goal at all. So that's something to understand about the ego thought system. There are never positive goals. It's like even if we think the positive goal is for the ego that, because sometimes it's our ego that says, I, I, I would like to win the lottery and tithe 10% to my church or 50% to my church. I would like to get a raise or a bonus and tithe to my church. And we think that that is a wonderful thing Right, But it's the ego actually looking for specialness from the church uh, and getting recognition from the church and things like that. So many times we're doing things to get recognition, to receive that specialness, that affirmation of specialness. And it... So it's... And what is that about? That's about... un doing or masking from an ego perspective the sense of unworthiness so the ego is aware the ego thought system is knows what it does not want does not want to be worthless does not want to be unspecial but only that it has no positive goal at all because obviously specialness is not a positive goal Without a clear-cut positive goal set at the outset, the situation just seems to happen and makes no sense until it has already happened. Then you look back at it and try to piece together what it must have meant, and you will be wrong. Not only is your judgment in the past, but you have no idea what should happen. No goal was set with which to bring the means in line. And now the only judgment left to make is whether or not the ego likes it. Is it acceptable or does it call for vengeance? All right, so the important, there's so many things in just those few sentences. But to me, the overriding thing here is that If we don't have a goal, we're going to fall into ego traps and tricks. But if we do have a goal, if we do have an intention, that will be brought out. Now, again, maybe our goal is ego goal. And let's say the ego goal is, I'd like to impress my boss, right? That surely sounds like an ego goal. I'd like to impress my boss. So if we proceed with that goal, we would have to look at it from a spiritual perspective. 
Why does somebody have the goal, I'd like to impress my boss? Could be different reasons. Could be, I'd like to get something. Could be, I'd like to avert something. Both of those are ego-based goals. So the need to get something is an affirmation that you don't already have it. Right? You don't already have joy, peace, love, freedom, and all the things that are worth having. And the um, ego goal to avoid something, avoid getting fired, uh, uh, avoid getting transferred, uh, demoted, different things like that. If that's the goal, then you're obviously coming from fear. So either coming from lack, limitation, fear, revenge, some kind of thing like that. I'd like my boss to recognize me, acknowledge me, see how great I am, uh, so that my coworker uh, would feel stupid by comparison. There are all kinds of ego goals that we could set. Are they going to be realized? Well, spirit meets things not from the surface, but from what is the deep longing of the person? What is truly the desire, the spiritual desire of their heart? So in many of those cases that I just named, the spiritual desire of the heart would be to know I'm worthy of love, of recognition, that I'm good enough. So if that's the goal that I'd like my boss to recognize me so that I can feel like I'm good enough, so that I can hold my deep sense of worthiness at bay, spirit will find a way to fulfill that goal so that the block to knowing the worthiness would be further dissolved or removed, brought into the light for healing. That's how spirit would work, that perhaps the boss might not recognize so much the really good work that you've done, but instead say something like, I know that you think that you're not doing a good enough job, but I really appreciate your presence here, and you contribute a lot just by your presence. So the spirit is going to orchestrate things so that the, there's a healing. There is a, a, a transformative experience, not something that is temporary. Ego's always temporary because it's time-bound. It's temporal. It's in time and space. That thought system operates in time and space, and spirit does not. Spirit is eternal. And we are eternal. So I'm going to read this part again here. Without a clear-cut positive goal set at the outset, the situation just seems to happen and makes no sense until it has already happened. Then you look back at it and try to piece together what it might have meant, what it must have meant. Right, so this is the interpretation and the making meaning of things. This is what ego always, always, always does. And you will be wrong. Not only is your judgment in the past, but you have no idea what should happen. So the, the judgment is always of the past. The criticism is always of the past. The fault finding is always of the past. No goal was set with which to bring the means in line. So, remember, ends is in the means. So, if, if we'd like to have a more loving life, the means is to be more loving, to be more compassionate. No goal was set with which to bring the means in line. So, if we are not setting a goal of... Even the, if we set the goal of, I'd like my boss to recognize me. The means for the healing, the transformation will come through that. 
the willingness to have that goal, set that intention. It's no small thing because the victim of the world feels like life is just happening to them. But that is not ever what is occurring. When we set goals, we're saying, declaring what we're interested in. And we could be interested in spiritual healing or we could be interested in ego gratification. When we're setting the goal, when we're setting the intention, then things are going to play out differently and we will feel less like the victim of the world because we are acting as God acts with clarity, with intention, with willingness, even if it's an ego goal. This to me is very important. I'm a highly intentional person for this reason. Oh, and right now I am intending (laughs) to go to a break. Oh my goodness. I'm going to a break and I just like to let you know that my Stop Playing Small online retreat begins on Friday. Yes, on Friday. So, We've got spots for you if you'd like to come and join us. It's a lot of fun. It's really deep. It's really healing. And it's a great way to have a lot of transformation in a short period of time with a lovely group of people. All right. My name is Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles. And I will be right back after this break. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Ah, bonjour again. Welcome back. (laughs) And we are talking about setting goals, setting goals as a spiritual practice, setting goals for our day, for situations, circumstances. And as I was saying before, once our mind really opens to spirit, we don't really need those goals and intentions in the same way. But boy, until we get there, we definitely do. And it's so helpful. It's so helpful. And when you feel, just think about a time in your life where you feel like, oh, I was the victim in this situation. Did you have a clear goal for being a healing presence in this situation. Because I find when I walk into any situation, pick up the phone before a phone call, I have a clear intention. This is going to be an awesome experience. This is going to be great. I'm going to be so helpful. Then it's amazing what transforms, what occurs what transpires, because spirit is in charge. So this is a way of living, and that is what turns it into a very practical, spiritual practice. And to me, this is living A Course in Miracles. This is the practical application of spiritual principle. So in continuing in on here in this section... We're only in paragraph two. The clarification of the goal belongs at the beginning, for it is that this which will determine the outcome. In the ego's procedure, this is reversed. So the way we think and feel about the outcome when we're ego identified is after the fact, after we've evaluated it, after we've interpreted it, then we have the idea of it, the picture of it. And that's not how God operates. God is a now system. 100% God is a now system. Not There's no part of God that's in the past. The past and the future, as we all have heard a million times, don't actually exist. God is a now business. So being a now business... In this moment, we can choose to be a healing presence. And when we say, in this moment, 
And every moment that follows, my goal is to be a loving, healing presence, to be a teacher of God. And I don't have to wonder what to say or what to do. I don't have to prepare that because the one who sent me will direct me. And I'm definitely content to go wherever Spirit sends me, knowing Spirit goes there with me, because Spirit goes there as me. If I go, Spirit goes. There's no place I can go where Spirit is not. If I make my bed in hell, thou art with me. So that's how I live my life in that place. But I'm very clear in each and every moment, I am interested in being the most loving, most helpful person I can be. And if I try to figure that out ahead of time, it won't be from spirit. It will be from ego. Because then what's going to happen is that I'll be in this present moment, let's say, relating to someone in any kind of a situation. And if I'm thinking, now, wait a minute, this is a counseling session, let's just say, for me as a spiritual counselor. Because I train and certify spiritual counselors, going to have the next training in November. And... Um, by the way, I'm almost 100% sure I'm going to be doing this training in November, second week of November, in person. I haven't done in person since 2019, so that's very exciting to be able to do that. And uh, the prior to that intensive training, it's a seven days, six nights training and I believe it's going to start on November 6th and finish on November 12th start on Monday the 6th finish on Sunday the 12th prior to that the weekend before that uh, November 2, 3, 4, 5 I think I'm going to do a forgiveness retreat I love to do those they're so deeply healing and it's a great combo with the spiritual counseling training intensive. So when I'm doing the intensive, uh, one of the things that always happens is people ask me, of course they do, many questions like, well, what do you do in a counseling session when this comes up or that comes up or this happens or that happens, right? There's lots of talk about these kinds of things. And my standard answer is I go within, I check with spirit, I check with the higher self because my personality might be frightened in the moment, my personality might be confused in the moment, my personality might be checked out in the moment. I could be having any number of experiences on a personality level. But if I go to spirit, to that higher Holy Spirit self, then I'm going to get the insight, the wisdom, the clarity, the inspiration, whatever we'd like to call it, that divine direction, the divine download that will guide me to the highest and best in the moment, especially if that's my goal and that's what I'm interested in. So I'll say to people, first thing I do is I go to spirit, always going to spirit every moment in a counseling session. And if I start searching the memory banks for, oh, what did Jennifer say? What did my trainer say? What did my teacher say? What did they say in this situation? What would they do? What did they do? Then I'm looking in the past, you see. I'm going to the history. I'm going to my memory, and I'm trying to remember. And then I'm, I'm not present in this moment where the love actually is, where the healing actually is possible. So it's a training. It's definitely a training to get out of continuously going to the past. So the situation becomes the determiner of the outcome, which can be anything. The reason for this disorganized approach is evident. 
The ego does not know what it wants to come of the situation. It is aware of what it does not want, but only that. It has no positive goal at all. Allow yourself to become aware of when you're walking in the world, you're being in the world, and you don't have a clear goal, but you are clear of what you're interested in avoiding, what you don't want, but you're not clear of what you really do wish to have happen. So one of the exercises that Spirit gave me a long time ago was to sit and write the deep desire of my heart is. And not to focus on things and specifics in the world, like uh, the deep desire of my heart is to get home by 7 o'clock so I can watch my favorite TV show and have time to make dinner and clean up for dinner before my favorite... I mean... That's not the deep desire of my heart anyway. But the deep desire of my heart is to be truly helpful. The deep desire of my heart is to live a loving life. The deep desire of my heart is to work with people I admire who also admire me. The deep desire of my heart is to enjoy my life and to live a life of joy, demonstrating God's infinite joy through my life for all to see. The deep desire of my heart is to have holy relationships and to love and appreciate everyone I'm in relationship with. The deep desire of my heart is to see the holiness in my brothers and sisters and in myself. Things like that. When I'm anchored every day into the deep desires of my heart, then I can transcend, override the ego inclinations to act from fear or act from the past. So I can be confronted in a situation and very quickly recognize oh, there's an opportunity here to be uh, a holy presence. There's an opportunity here to be loving. There's an opportunity here to be the light of the world. And I'm going to take that. That is going to be more visible to me, more noticeable to me than if I'm coming at the situation from fear. So the antidote to a lot of fear and anxiety is to be present. But how can you really be present if your mind is filled with fear? (laughs) So it seems like a catch-22. It really does. In fact, if you'd like to uh, move out of these kinds of patterns, that's what my Finding Freedom from Fear spiritual boot camp is all about, and that is in October. And it's a wonderful combination to do Stop Playing Small and then Finding Freedom. It's really fun. A lot of people do that every year, and it's really lovely. So let's go on to paragraph three here, because the ego has no positive goal at all. And without a clear-cut positive goal set at the outset, the situation just seems to happen. It makes no sense until it has already happened. So it doesn't make any sense until it's over because the sense comes from the interpretation and the meaning that we give it from an ego perspective. Jesus says, then you look back at it. Try to piece together what it must have meant. Right? That's the interpretation. That's the giving it meaning. And you will be wrong. Not only is your judgment in the past, you have no idea what should happen. So we just keep repeating this and repeating this and repeating this. Paragraph four, the value of deciding in advance what you want to happen is simply that you will perceive the situation as a means to make it happen. 
So that's why you're going to be in the situation now and you'll see, ah, this is my opportunity to be the loving presence. This is my opportunity to not go into judgment, instead go into compassion. Here's my opportunity. So another way to say here's my opportunity is here I can demonstrate my willingness to be the light of the world. Here I can demonstrate my willingness to be a loving presence. He says, you will therefore make every effort to overlook what interferes with the accomplishment of your objective and concentrate on everything that helps you meet it. And this I know to be true because this is how I operate. So for instance, giving, because I was just talking about uh, doing the uh, intensive training for the spiritual counselors and the forgiveness retreat. Sometimes I go on a retreat, I'm leading a retreat, and there are situations in that retreat where there's difficulty. Sometimes, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something, technology breaks down, or um, I'm trying to think of things that have been difficult on retreats. Well, not my retreats, but I, I have been on retreats where people didn't like each other, and people got in each other's face about it and things like that. And uh, without the clarity of the goal ahead of time, the things can get off track. But when there is a clarity of goal ahead of time, then that is what ultimately becomes realized. I've seen it in every kind of situation in my life. You can even have a goal when you go to the grocery store that you are blessing everyone in the store. You can have a goal going into the grocery store. I used to do this all the time. I used to say, angels, help me see only that which will be healthy for me, only that which will be nourishing for me. Let me not even see or notice or have any interest in things that aren't going to be good for me, healthy for me, and productive for me. And then that's what I see. That's what I choose. That's what I experience. We can set these kinds of goals. And it is remarkable. It is extraordinary to live in this way. You start to feel like everything is for you and nothing is against you. And why is that? Because you're for everything and everyone. You're not against anything or anyone. So we may not like what people do, but that doesn't mean we can't see the Christ in them. It doesn't mean we can't recognize that there is an inner perfection and wholeness that is there at the core. That is really what they are. And that's what we're interested in seeing. And so many times as a spiritual counselor, working with someone who has very, very like to say they have low self-esteem is an understatement. And to be able to work with them and to love them fully and completely as they are without trying to change them, but actually being interested in supporting them in their goals for more peace, more love, more joy in their life. Uh, even what when their goals seem to be for having more money, and that's their main objective, or just other kinds of egocentric goals, still underneath the, the spiritual yearning for, for love, for perfection, for wholeness, it's there. It's easy to see and recognize when we are willing. So it's that willingness that gives us the eyes to see and the ears to hear. So this is another way of saying what Jesus is saying here. If you don't have the goal to be the peace, to be the joy, to be the freedom and the wisdom and the clarity in every conversation and situation, then you won't have the eyes to see and the ears to hear 
that perfection, in that wholeness, seeking to be revealed. So you'll interpret things in a different way. I have conversations with people all the time who they're interpreting things through the lens of the past, but there are completely different ways of looking at things. And what they see and what I see are totally different because they're looking through the lens of the past. All the time. See it happening all the time. All right. Gosh, I love A Course in Miracles. Ah, The value of deciding in advance what you want to happen is simply that you will perceive the situation as a means to make it happen. You will therefore make every effort to overlook what interferes with the accomplishment of your objective and concentrate on everything that helps you meet it. Now, this can be true with all kinds of things, and we know it is. So let's say you, I live out in the country, and I go into town where I'm very intent to, let's say, have a cup of coffee or something. Uh, I wouldn't go to town just to get a cup of coffee, but let's say I did. And something interfered with that. It because my objective is to get a cup of coffee, I am going to be focused on that no matter what's happening. If I'm in a car accident, if I meet a neighbor who's celebrating the they won the lottery, anything that's going on, I'm going to have my objective there in the back of my mind. So, And that's just how we operate. He goes on to help you to help us here by saying it is quite noticeable that this approach has brought you closer to the Holy Spirit's sorting out of truth and falsity. The true becomes what can be used to meet the goal. The false becomes the useless from this point of view. The situation now has meaning, but only because the goal has made it meaningful. So if we have a holy goal, it makes our life meaningful. It makes these interactions meaningful. And that's when we start to have new insight, new clarity. And it is a direct result of having the goal, holding the goal throughout our life, throughout our days and moments. And one of the things I do in uh, Finding Freedom from Fear, my spiritual boot camp class that starts in October, uh, or with Masterful Living, my year-long program that starts in January, but we do have early bird bonuses. (laughs) Um, With these programs, we set clear aspirations, intentions, and goals for this exact purpose. We set them for our life. We set them for our year. We set them for our relationships because they make all the difference. Now we have an objective in the goal and we are going to be focused on that even if we forget it, even if we forget it. I love, here it comes in in paragraph five. The goal of truth has further practical advantages. If the situation is used for truth and sanity, its outcome must be peace. Now, I've been practicing this for many years, and I know this to be true. And this is why I'm goal-oriented. And and it's really, for me, it's not about goals in the world, but in consciousness. My goals are in how I live my life, in a, in alignment with spiritual truth and principle. That, And in order to do that, I have to be loving. I have to be focused on being loving. So that's my number one goal, is to be loving. Yes, I'm interested in awakening from the dream of separation when I fall back asleep. Because I have that goal, I recognize, oh, something's off. Oh, I fell into judgment. I fell into complaining. I fell into a disconnect. 
I can connect right back in and I'm aligned with my goal for my life. So if the situation is used for truth and sanity, its outcome must be peace. I just think of that. Think of how life-changing it is to say, okay, today my goal is peace. Today my goal is to know my true identity, to live from my loving heart, to discover the loving heart that has to be there under these grudges and grievances. The goal of truth is mine today. So then if the situation... If any situation that I encounter today is to further that goal, the outcome must be peace. And this is quite apart from what the outcome is. If peace is the condition of truth and sanity and cannot be without them, where peace is, they must be. Where peace is, there must be truth and sanity. So truth and sanity come when we give up the meaning we made of things and the interpretations. So going back to what he was saying here earlier, um, <clears throat> without a this is paragraph three, without a clear-cut positive goal set at the outset, the situation just seems to happen. It makes no sense until it's already happened. And then you look back at it and try to piece together what it must have meant. And you will be wrong. Not only is your judgment in the past, but you have no idea what should happen. And this is precisely how we end up living a life that's confused, where we feel like a victim of the world. And what we're being told here simply is one of the best tools we have is to set a spiritual goal to be loving to be the peace of God, to know the truth, to value the truth. Setting these simple goals again and again throughout our day will bring a totally different experience, in part because we'll be looking for a different experience, in part because we'll be allowing and accepting a different experience. <sighs> Spiritual truth sets us free from victimhood, pain, and suffering. Yes. I'm so excited for my Stop Playing Small retreat that begins Friday, September 8th, and for the Finding Freedom from Fear spiritual boot camp that begins, I believe, October 15th. These are the next things that are coming up. We have other wonderful things on the calendar, and we're getting ready for Masterful Living 2024. Oh, Life is exciting. It's so good. And the spiritual counseling training intensive in November, as well as the forgiveness retreat. More details to come out soon. Let's take a moment here, place our hand on our heart, and be so grateful and thankful that the love of God is what we are and the love of God is now and forever. We are truly grateful to value the truth and to share the benefits with everyone. We're allowing ourselves to live the love. We let it be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen. I love you. Mwah.